Welcome to another episode of the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. I'm excited to have one of the best coaches of one of the best teams at the mid-major level joining me today. It's going to be South Dakota head coach Dawn Plitzewhite. Man, if you did not catch the game that South Dakota played the other day against arch rival South Dakota State, you missed out. An unbelievable double overtime thriller. It, it was crazy. And if you've never seen a game at South Dakota State, they come out in just packs of people. And, and South Dakota was able to go in there and get a win. And the Summit League's kind of run through South Dakota recently. Dawn's in her third year at the helm of the Coyotes. They're 14-3 and this year. 64-19 overall. They went undefeated in conference last year. First Summit League team to do that in 24 years. Uh, she's got a nice past of coaching as well. Did a really good job at Northern Kentucky before South Dakota. She won a D2 national championship at Graham Valley State. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to her. And to be honest with you, there's not a lot out there about um, Dawn other than, hey, she's a really good coach and she's won a lot of games. So I, I want to get into her background a little bit, uh, as I tend to do. We'll talk about their team and uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. So we'll get her on the phone here in a minute and we'll be right back. This is The Jump Around. And we are back on the jump around and join me as promised. It is South Dakota head coach Don Plitz, a white coach. I appreciate you, you taking some time for me and uh, spending a little bit of time with me today and fresh off of a, a, a pretty crazy double overtime win on Sunday. It seems very appropriate. You have a buy in your schedule. It seems like everybody needs a couple days to recover from that one. So congrats on that big win. Well, thank you, Blake. I have one question for you. When are you going to start off your podcast with a little health of pain jump around music? I just feel like that's appropriate. <laughs> I don't know. That's my recommendation. Just say it. I appreciate that. You know, uh, we're, we're working on uh, getting rights to it, um, and people are, you know, if people want to Venmo me, uh, anything would help to uh, <laughs> to get the rights to that. But you're you're right. That's uh, that's a New Year's resolution for me. So uh, touche. Okay, good. Touche on to your check. part. Yes, I, I thank you for uh, thank you for uh, adapting to the the style and calling me out. That's a that's a good way to start this interview. Um, uh, <laughs> well, if we don't have some some house of pain, maybe a little crisscross. <laughs> I mean, something. We're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on it, and then we're gonna get you back, and and you'll hear it. I won't even tell you. I'll just bring you back, and I'll play it for you. We'll get your reaction, and that'll be the end of the podcast. It'll be a one minute podcast. It'll be great. Oh, that's awesome. Can't wait. Uh, I, I do want to just get into your team, but before I do that, I feel like you're one of those coaches that uh, maybe people just don't know a lot about, and maybe that's because you've kind of worked your way up through you know the mid-major level. I'm not sure why that is, but uh, you've had an outstanding career. You're at Grand Valley State, uh, won a, a D2 national championship. You took Northern Kentucky uh, to some really impressive seasons, and now... You're at South Dakota, 64-19 and uh, since you've arrived at South Dakota. Undefeated last year in conference. Goodness gracious. At the beginning of your coaching career, your, your first day at Grand Valley, if I would have told you, hey, in you know, 8, 9, 10 years, you're going to be a top 25-ish team at the Division One level, what, what would you have said to me? 
I would say the fun thing about the whole thing, the, the whole journey has been that I actually planned on being a sixth grade basketball coach. <laughs> that was kind of my mission when I was growing up was to coach at the middle school level. I'm not sure why I had that mindset, but that's what I, I planned on doing. So, you know, I think for, for me, it's really been a, a journey that you surround yourself or you're surrounded with great people. You know, when I was an assistant coach, I had a chance to work for some, some top-notch head coaches and learn along the way. And, and since being a head coach, surrounded by some really fun people to be around on a daily basis. And I guess my belief is that if you work really hard at it and you have a good time doing it, typically things seem to work out pretty well. Yeah, fair enough. And, and they have worked out well. I'm curious with you, when you took over Grand Valley, they, that wasn't a good program. But Northern Kentucky, you take over... Um, for Nancy Witzel, and then you take over South Dakota after Amy Williams. Those are two programs that were in really good places when you took over, and so there's there's a different pressure there, right? Because it's if they suddenly don't start winning, it's like, hey, it was working before. What's you know, what's wrong with you guys? How have you been able specifically at Northern Kentucky and South Dakota to kind of manage expectations while you know putting your own touch on the program and still finding success? Well, I think that's a great question. You know, certainly going into Northern Kentucky, Nancy Winslow had built that program into a Division II powerhouse, and then she stepped away and retired right at the time when Northern Kentucky was going through the transition between Division II and Division One. You know, it was really it was an interesting time in my career because I had worked with Kevin Borseth at Michigan Tech. I, I worked at the University of Wisconsin with Jane Albright. I worked with Kevin Borsett again when he started at Green Bay. And so to answer your question, I thought Kevin really stepped into a scenario at Green Bay where he was following, you know, following a legendary coach in Carol Hammerly, who had been there 25 years. Then I went to Grand Valley. Then I coached at the University of Michigan with Coach Borsett again. And then he went back to to Green Bay. And and so what was interesting is I watched Coach Borsett, I think, kind of coach under that, you know, in, in the years right after you know, someone who really built the program. And, and I think what I learned certainly from that is that even though your style may be different than the coach before who had success, the bottom line is it's still all about the, the people and getting the kids that you coach to be on the same page that, that and have the confidence in what they're doing to have success. Now, it was a little different at Northern Kentucky because I think there are a lot of people who really believe in going through that transition that it was, it was not going to be a situation where you'd be winning basketball games and we started that way. I think we started 0-4 and, and we actually ended up winning eight of our last nine games in that first season. And we didn't even know that we would have a chance to play. We couldn't play, obviously, in the NCAA tournament. We weren't good enough to. We couldn't play in our conference tournament. But we were. We did qualify for the WDI that first year. And what was interesting about it is that we got close in probably two games you know, to go on the end of our regular season. Our athletic administration asked me at the time, you know, are you going to tell your team about this, that, that they have a chance to possibly play in the postseason? I said, no, not right now. Because, first of all, I don't want to put pressure on them. Yeah. Because we're just playing, we're just having fun. So why, let's not put pressure on our kids at this point in time. And second of all, I think some of them have plans to, to go on spring break. So they, they might be really upset that we might have a chance to play. So let's just keep playing basketball games and see what happens. You know, so I think the first thing is to really be respectful of the coaches who come before you and have really built it. Certainly here at the University of South Dakota, with Amy following and Amy Williams put that. So there are a lot of people who, you know, really question what's going to happen next because she had you know, such a, a strong run here. And so trying just to, I think, build connections with, with the, not only the players, but the people here in, in our community that support our program to assure them or reassure them maybe 
you know, that, that we may do things differently, but the end result is that we're going to treat our kids with a great deal of respect. We're going to build a great relationship with them, and we're going to do our best to find a way to be successful. Yeah, well, you, you have been uh, twenty three and nine WNIT appearance in the first uh, year, and then last year twenty nine seven and uh, a run to the quarterfinals of the WNIT after going undefeated in, in conference play for the first time in a while. I do wonder. Uh, I, I I know it's it's bigger picture stuff, but you, you go undefeated in conference and you you don't make the NCAA tournament. That's tough. I, I know that's that's not easy. How uh, how did you guys handle that? How did how did your team? Uh, kind of handle the disappointment of not being able to push through and, and win that conference tournament and get into the, the big dance? Well, yeah, that's a, a very big disappointment. I think our, our young ladies were, it is certainly something that you're fighting for from the time that you start working out together in the summer and something you're you're working towards. And you know, But again, that's a situation that you certainly can refer to back in life. It's, things don't always work out the way that you're hoping that they're going to work out in the way that they're, you're going to anticipate that you want them to work out. But then how do you embrace adversity at that point in time and pick things, pick up pieces and work to get better? And what we're really fortunate here at the University of South Dakota is that we have an administration that said, says we're going to host, do our best for those teams in the WNIT. And so for us, you know, to come back home and then to have an opportunity to host the University of Houston, the host Colorado State, both Michigan State, and the host TCU, you know, it certainly makes it a lot easier for for our program when we're playing at home and we have an opportunity to play some top-notch competition and bring in some name recognition. And that, that just was, was a, an opportunity for us that was really, really special. Yeah, for sure. Well, you guys come into this year and, and you've continued to perform well, 14-3. and three. Again, you guys are hovering right around the top 25 uh, you have my vote to get in uh, for the record. Uh, I believe. Uh, thank you, Blake. Yep, Appreciate yep, that. Yep. I do believe you guys should be in there. But uh, that double overtime win uh, against South Dakota State, 105-98, uh, a raucous crowd. Um, I I said in the intro, uh, South Dakota State has a raucous crowd, and obviously I I meant to say South Dakota, although that applies to both. Both places are pretty wild. How did that environment and that game uh, stack up to the games you've coached in? I have to imagine it's pretty up there. Well, it certainly was. You know, I, I I remember when I was coaching at the University of Wisconsin, we had an opportunity when the Kohl Center opened back in the late 90s. And the first, the opening game for women's basketball had 16,000 fans. And I know this may seem like it's an exaggeration, but I'm here to tell you that those 16,000 fans in that environment were not as well as our 6,000 fans were here. I think some of it has to do with our arena. Our arena was designed to be, a, it, there's a low ceiling. And so the sound stays in and it stays on the court. Mm. And so I've never had as many hand signals and signs as, as <laughs> I've had in years because we're coaching here in this environment and certainly other environments within our conference. But just a, a, an atmosphere that as a, as a young girl growing up, you dream of being having an opportunity to play in that type of setting. And so we're very grateful to our, our fans, our student body, you know, the fans in the state that came out to the game because that's something that, the young ladies who played in that game will always remember. What is it about that, you know, South Dakota, what, what is it about? Because most people, you know, if they haven't, if they're not from the area, if they're not up there, they've never been, and they think, oh, what the, you know, what's in the Dakotas? Why would people be there? What is it about your program? What is it about the support you guys get? What, you know, why are, why are people so crazy about your program and about your school? Well, 
Well, I think of it this way, Blake. When when I was contacted about the position here at the University of South Dakota, I knew a little bit about the team, only because I'd seen them on on ESPN three earlier in the year because we had a couple of common opponents, and and so just had a chance to watch them and, and see the the fan base and watch it really grow and and it was it was incredible. But what's interesting is that and I'll say this over since sometimes I don't. When I when I was contacted, I didn't even know really on the map where state of South Dakota was, much less think that we would ever move <laughs> to the state of South Dakota. But when we got here and met the people here and saw the passion that they have for women's basketball, it was impressive. And it was something that you're really drawn to and you want to be a part of. You know, the, the fans in the state of South Dakota are, and I, I know this because we have children, a son who just graduated from high school, a freshman in college now, and a daughter who is a sophomore, they made going out to basketball games a really big deal. At the high school level, at the collegiate level, fans here love the sport, and it's really, really fun to see. I was at our daughter's basketball game last week, and it's not a rival game. It was a game on a Friday night, and the, the fans were loud. The pep band was loud. The game was close, and the home team came out on top in the end, but I thought to myself, what a neat opportunity for young girls to play in, in an environment where the fans are really into it. And the next day they're, you know, they're at high V and they're walking around and they're talking about the game the night before. So that's not like that everywhere. For some reason, people here in the state are just so into basketball. It's really fun to be around. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I haven't, I haven't been there yet, so I gotta, I gotta get that off my bucket list. I gotta get up there for a game. You're not. Uh, you're not too terribly well, far from me. in South Dakota is on most people's bucket list, Blake, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get your service. <laughs> well, you, you're drivable. You're like five hours from me, so I, I can... I can Let's go. I'll have to... Yeah, we'll, we'll look at the schedule. I'll see what I can do there, but uh, I want to experience that in person. Uh, question for you, uh, a little bit off topic. The rumor is that you're you're pretty competitive, and so I am curious if you could share with me, and I don't know the answer. I just know I'm supposed to ask this question. Can you, can you share with me the the full name of your dog? <laughs> I don't know who set this stage, but that's a pretty funny question. So two point guards got married. My husband was a point guard in high school and in college, so was I. So two point guards got married, and we – we have kids and we're living in, in Northern Kentucky at the time and our son just wears us down. He's probably like 13 at the time. He just wears us down over and over for an entire year and a half to two years. And we keep saying no to getting a dog. And we have an assistant coach at the time, Lynn Flett, dear friend, who has, uh, has an Australian shepherd and left us dog sit for a weekend to see if our family is close to getting a pet. So he dog sit and his dog is the most well-behaved dog of all time. Not that our dog will ever be like that. And so it makes it seem like we can handle this as a family. We can do this. Yeah. So we, we go out and we get a Border Collie and our son has researched that they're the, the Australian Shepherds and Border Collies and the two smartest breeds of dogs. And with our family's time commitment and, and busyness, we figured we probably need a smart dog. So sure. we go get a dog and, and as we're, we pick up this dog and we come back all we're trying to name the dog. And it, he's kind of like this brownish, reddish color. And so we're trying to come up with all kinds of caramel names and brown names. Nothing seems thick. <laughs> and then my husband says, calls him Victor. And our dog's name is Victor, and his middle initial is E, oh, and his last name is Flipped Away. So our dog's <laughs> name is Victor E. Flipped Away. 
Uh, that is that's excellent that's great that is funny i didn't get that i didn't expect to get a full story so that was a a bonus question there and um and proof and proof to you that i did my uh i did my homework and did my research to to know to ask that question i like it (laughs) um speaking of victories uh perfect transition as you guys prepare um you have like i mentioned you had the week off so you play on saturday at home against uh purdue fort wayne but then you you go on a, a three-game road trip, and, and this conference is just, if people aren't aware of the summit, it, it's, it used to be you know, just you, South Dakota, South Dakota State. And then you know, in recent years, Western Illinois has come on. Uh, you know, Oral Roberts has had some, some teams at times. Um, you, you guys just you know, faced Denver and, and lost to them. So the difficulty of the summit, how do you guys navigate, um, especially with, again, you've had success in the past, but moving forward, while you guys are still excellent, all these other teams are kind of rising up towards that level. Uh, is it difficult at all keeping your team focused? Because you know sometimes if you win so much, it's almost you can get caught in a cycle of ah oh, yeah we're gonna win we've always won. You know what I mean? Is is it is it hard for you guys mm-hmm. to keep your kids kind of dialed in, or how do you how do you guys handle that? Well, I think the the biggest challenge about it is that the, the summit as a conference has the ability to shoot the ball from the arc at a very, very high clip. And so what's dangerous about that is that you start to extend to take away arc shooters, you do your best to take away arc shooters, but now you open up lanes to penetrate. And so, you know, certainly our, our last two games in the Summit League, we've given up an awful lot of points. I think we're giving up about 100 points a game in the last two games, and that is something that has to change very quickly in order for us, as you said, to go on the road. And having have the chance to have some success. And so I think for us, it, it goes back to you've got to be really tough in this league. You've got to be able to defend inside the arc, and, but you really have to be able to defend outside the arc as well. And that would be a huge, huge challenge. Mm. With, um, with the league being the way it is, uh, there is potential, though, uh, with you guys. Uh, with how good the league's gotten and how good you guys have gotten, where it, it does seem realistic that, you know, maybe an at-large bid is out there for, you know, a team that comes in first or second but doesn't win the tournament. Uh, kind of like we saw in the MAC last year with, with them getting uh, a number of teams in and then making runs to the Sweet 16. Uh, with, with you guys, as you've continued to build, has that gone into your schedule-making thinking at all? Because you guys have played a really tough non-conference game at Drake, you played Iowa State, you played at Mizzou, you play Indiana in a tournament. Has that kind of thought gone in your mind at all, or have you kind of just uh, always been about building schedules like that? Well, I think it, it depends on the school that you're at and where you're at as a program. And, and so we've been very intentional with our scheduling here, and we've been really well supported by our administration in going out and building the type of schedule that we believe helps us prepare for something we action helps us prepare for summer league tournament action but also to help put our name out there on a national level to play some of the best and figure out first of all how do you compete with them because before you have a chance to really beat them you've got to figure out how to even compete how to be in that in those games and in those matchups and and certainly you know we look at what have the top and major programs done and, and really try to copyright a little bit of what they've done and emulate what they've done and build our, our program non-conference schedule the way they've done that how i'm trying to think of how i want to word this question because i hate i hate asking cliche questions but i think i might have to here 
with the way you've built your program and where it is now, what is the ceiling? You know, what is, uh, I don't know if you're a goal person or not, but what is, you know, what's, what, what can the University of South Dakota be? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question. And I would say, say this from, from our team standpoint, we have an interesting mix and we, we've worked with a leadership expert in Jeff Jansen. And I, I told him that the hard part for me is I'm really a process driven person. And he is really uh, an individual that teaches you how to set specific standards for your program and help your players do that. But from, from my standpoint, you know, we have three expectations in our program. And one is, number one expectation is be your best. Be your best in everything that you do, in the classroom, on the court, community service, as a teammate. You know, and then let that take you and guide you where you're going to go. The expectation number two is to be thankful. And we are very grateful that we're here at the University of South Dakota because we, we have an awful lot to be very, very thankful for in terms of our sport, the people that are here, um, the, the facilities that we have. We have an awful lot to be thankful for. Expectation number three within our program is to enjoy the precious press. You know, I think at times it's really easy to get caught up in, you know, what do we need to do? to position ourselves to be at the end of the journey rather than to enjoy what the journey looks like and, and focus on the here and now. I remember working when I was working at the University of Michigan, John Beeline made a comment once, and I've never forgotten it. And I talked to him, and they had a tough loss, and he came back and he said, we can't let the ball, that loss beat us twice. Hmm. That's done. That's over with. Now we need to move on, and we need to prepare for our next opponent. And I think that that you know, also helped me with my philosophy and, and setting these expectations for our players of really focus on being in the here and now. Well, it, it, with that being said, have you always been like that, or, or did you have to kind of grow in that regard? I think it was my third or fourth year coaching at, at Grand Valley State. The, the athletic administration that we had there and our AD was Tim Selgo, and he's written a, a fantastic book, and I think it's called Anchors Up. And he had head coaches meetings maybe once a month. And we'd be in these meetings and I'm thinking to myself, why are we sitting around talking about the best book we've read recently or, you know, different, we're in the middle of our season. We've got things we've got to, to do. And one of the things he, he had all of the head coaches do at that point in time was build our coaching philosophy and put it on paper. And I thought, well, I know you're supposed to do this, but I guess I've always just kind of done what I've watched other coaches do. But it really helped me at that point in time identify what's really truly important to me and, and I thought we it was probably going into year four of, as being a head coach that that we set these expectations for our team and we've kind of taken them with us um, since then so be your best be thankful enjoy the precious present be in the here and now and it, the kids we coach are college age kids and this is supposed to be fun and it is yeah. fun for them when they can really enjoy the process that, that they and the work that they put in and and the journey that they're on rather than looking ahead to this. If we make this, if we get to this point, then we'll be successful and then we'll enjoy it. It just puts too much pressure on, on kids, in my opinion, and on, on coaches too. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy business, right? Uh, it's, it's actually a, a bit nuts. But uh, what you guys have done, um, you know, through your journey, but certainly maintaining and then not only maintaining but excelling at South Dakota has been something that's been pretty impressive to watch. And so um, kudos to you and your staff and your players for, for everything you've done. Uh, last question, and I'll get you out of here on this. For, um, 
for people who maybe haven't watched you, who, who haven't, you know, they don't know much about you other than, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. Um, someone tunes into a game and they watch you guys. What are they going to see? What, what, you know, what are, uh, you, I mean, you, t- you told me obviously those points just there, but watching you guys play basketball, what is, what can people look forward to? Well, I think what we do is we play we play a fun style. We, we try to play fast. I think we've been a team over the first couple of years here that we've scored you know, somewhere between 75 to 80-some points a game. And we've been pretty solid on the defensive end. And I think what you'll see is a, a group of kids who celebrate their teammates' successes. They have fun. They play hard, finish plays. But their enthusiasm for each other is, is something that is really fun to watch. And I think it's something that we as coaches have a good time watching our bench and then we show that in film and to celebrate for each other. And that's something that I think is really, you know, contagious and fun to be around. Yeah. Well, um, if you haven't watched people, they are one of you. I mean, you were being very kind of modest there, but uh, you're one of the best offensive teams in the country. Statistically, if you look at all the numbers, you're in the upper third of, of pretty much everything. Again, 14 and three on the year, um, kind of poking around the top 25. I expect to see them back in there uh, play on Saturday. But coach, I, I am greatly appreciative of you taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to spend some time with me and um, looking forward to seeing you guys play down the stretch and, and hopefully see you guys get into the dance. Well, good. Thanks so much for this opportunity, Blake. Love what you're doing for women's basketball. I just want some background music. That's all I want. <laughs> We're going to work on it. We will do it. We'll do it. We'll, we'll reconvene in March, and, and hopefully we both have success stories to tell. <laughs> well, thanks again to uh, South Dakota head coach Dom Blitzewhite for joining me. That was, uh, that was fun. Uh, they are one heck of a program. I encourage you guys to watch them when, when you can. Uh, they will certainly be in the mix, and, and truly, if they don't win the tournament, um, assuming they continue on their path, they should be considered for an at-large bid. So we'll, we'll see what the Coyotes are able to do. Thank you for listening and joining me. As always, it is greatly appreciated, whether you listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever else. If you listen on iTunes and can leave a rating and review, I'd be greatly appreciative of you. You can find me on Twitter always, at Blake Dudonis. Thoughts, suggestions, banter, always welcome. And I'm always grateful for you guys listening. Until next time, this is The Jump Round.